0: Welcome back everybody, to another episode of Green Thumbprint. This is Keith, and I am joined by my friend Phil Pierce of Friends of the Urban Forest How are you doing Phil
1: great thanks uh, thanks for having me
0: it's a pleasure um, so we were we uh, have met in San Francisco through a variety of um, overlapping worlds such as community gardens and um, social good projects and um, you are currently involved with an organization that I have long followed and uh, is one of my favorite groups in the city which is the Friends of the Urban Forest and one of the things we were talking about was just urban forestry in general which I can't call myself an expert on but more of an enthusiast about Um, but I was really hoping to kind of delve more into it and talk about urban forestry and sort of the the world around it. Um, so thank you for, for coming on and, and chatting about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so I guess one great place to start is just like not only locally but kind of in the big picture sense of things like what what does the urban forestry kind of realm include or what does, what does that mean to have an urban forest?
1: Sure. Um, So very generally speaking, um, it is the canopy cover inside of a city um, that usually can be broken down into a few different uh, realms, I guess. Um, There are street trees, which is kind of what it sounds like in between the street and a house or a building, usually like along a sidewalk. Um, There's obviously park trees and open space trees. Um, and then there's also backyard trees so if you kind of think about all of those woven together into a big system um, you get the urban forest uh, something else that people are starting to throw into that mix um, these days are um, like rain gardens or sidewalk gardens or sidewalk mm-hmm. landscape basically the places where we've removed more cement um, and then there's a permeable surface for storm water to go down in Right which is a way to you know, sort of alleviate Um, stormwater problems uh, and a lot of us starting to call that the understory of the urban forest. Ah, I like that. Yeah, exactly. Think about the urban forest as places where there isn't cement um, and where nature can kind of do its thing more like it would if there wasn't a massive city place in the middle of it.
0: Right. I guess you think forest equals trees, but in a literal sense, like a forest actually has All sorts of vegetation and animals and plants, birds. So, technically, yes, there is a need for um, multi level uh, foliage in a forest. Um, That's great. So, I think there are oftentimes just the sort of aesthetic ideas like, oh, street sheets, street trees, especially, they look nice. And I I equate them with, like, something that I would like to see in a neighborhood. But I think as you and Friends of the Urban Forest explore, there's, like, way more than just the sort of aesthetic, visual pleasure of trees that uh, are a good reason to invest in them. And just looking at trees, like, could you sort of maybe highlight some of the additional benefits of having a street tree canopy. Sure. Um,
1: So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's obviously tree huggers out there, and I'm one of them and love trees. But number one, there are great benefits they do. And number two, when you're trying to make political arguments in favor of an urban forest, you have to talk about economic benefits or social benefits and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, there have been some pretty cool quantifiable uh, studies done about San Francisco in particular. Uh, so one would be every year, so urban forest does around, uh, 9 million in environmental benefits. So stuff like hydrological, uh, or sorry, hydrological. I got that right. Yep. Air quality, carbon storage, um, you know, stormwater runoff. So every time, uh, there is a rain event instead of it going into the sewer system, which then has to be processed and then pushed out to the bay. Um, trees and other urban forest are capturing that stormwater it's mm-hmm. estimated that in San Francisco that's uh 516 million gallons wow uh, um you've is,
0: got all your numbers on- I got I got
1: the slide right in front of me I'm looking that's at it awesome. <laughs> um and then uh one that's two more that are really interesting I think is uh, one is 98 million dollars in increased property value in San Francisco right um which is pretty wild I mean property value in San Francisco I think it's going up no matter what, but uh, trees do increase that. And then the last thing is uh, the estimated capital value of San Francisco's urban forest uh, is $1.7 billion, with a B.
0: Right. And to, to, to tag on that, yeah. um, I've, I recently uh, heard a talk by um, an organization that studied just urban parks and parkland um and were doing similar attempts at economic quantifiable benefits, and they were doing property value increases, you know, for locating near a park, but I believe they could only um, quantify residential property values. There's something sort of fishy and um, like non-computational about commercial property value, so I don't know if your numbers reflect all property value, but um, I've heard that it can be really difficult to try to integrate commercial value, which would be really interesting if, you know, those street tree figures are actually only reflecting residential right. values.
1: Yeah, I, so the, the studies I've seen are a lot of times reflective of residential. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the main ones, there's a study, I think it was in Portland, that was about four to eight percent increase. Um, in property value, just by having a tree in front of your house. Yep. Um, as related to the commercial uh, sort of endeavors, I guess the one study that comes to mind is there was one that showed the increased um, consumer, like more people came to uh, these sort of like beautiful tree-lined commercial corridors as opposed to ones that weren't. So it's not really property value related, but it's good for business, especially local business or or something that, you know, needs something to catch their eye more than just, you know, some national chain that people understand.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think everyone can like that idea resonates with most people. I know anecdotally, like where I am now living in San Francisco, I'm on a street with very few street trees, which is upsetting, but I happen to have one of the few street trees, which is a magnolia that blooms, has great flowers, it provides shade and a home for birds, and it's, like, like one of the few trees and it's right outside my window. And that was, like, a significant factor in me deciding to live here. Um, and then also the fact that, like, when I go out to lunch in the city of Oakland where I work, there's, like, this one small block in downtown Oakland that has... Uh, An amazing row of trees in it, and it's where all of the shops, all of the eateries, all the people are at, and the lunch hour, and it's like. You can sort of wonder about like what what why is everyone in this one block? What makes it so different? But if you take a step back, it's like oh, this is the one like tree lined street in downtown Oakland. Yeah, but yeah, it just makes such a difference in in the feel of things as well. Absolutely, Um, and. Yeah and I like um I think it's uh friends of the urban forest sort of quote or saying that trees are like the one form of infrastructure that increase in value over time instead of like storm pipes or sidewalks or other things that are probably going to be costing you money in the future and breaking down trees are going to only get more valuable over time.
1: Yeah. Exactly right, which is kind of wild. I mean, you think about all the things that we invest in and and call infrastructure, um, yeah, roads, sidewalks. I mean, as soon as they get laid down, they're depreciating. They're going down in value. Power poles, I mean, they require um, all kinds of maintenance and, and are less valuable over time, whereas the larger a tree gets, the more carbon it's going to sequester, the more habitat it's going to provide, the more stormwater it's going to hold in a big rain event. I mean, all those things just keep getting um, bigger and bigger as, as time goes on.
0: Yeah, so um, you mentioned that FUF, Friends of the Urban Forest, has been sort of redefining its idea of um, both the urban forest and its work and and some of the things it focuses on. I've noticed this in particular Um, Friends of the Urban Forest does a great job of sort of just letting people know when they've done a sidewalk conversion and putting up their logo and also informational signs um, as well as great quotes about trees like the best day to plant a tree was yesterday the second best day is today something along those lines which I always love yeah Um, but Tell us about some of the projects or any, some of the work that doesn't involve like directly planting trees that uh, Fuff is involved with.
1: Sure. So uh, one of the big things that has kind of come online for Fuff in the last um, five years and then really in the last couple years it's come on really strong um, is the notion of sidewalk gardens or sidewalk landscape. Uh-huh. Um, and, and they're cool. I mean, when we do tree plantings, we do a whole neighborhood uh, on one day. So, for example, we'll have gone out in the entire mission district and said, Hey, Fuff's coming to the mission. Do you want a tree in front of your house? Uh, we'll subsidize almost all the costs, handle permits, logistics, all of that. And then on one day, we'll plant, you know, 50, 70 trees um, and have a ton of volunteers. And it's super fun. Wow. So you
0: can do like 70 trees in one. Fell swoop, if you will. Like- yeah.
1: Yeah, we did actually um, uh, 100 last year on one morning, one Saturday morning in the Excelsior. Wow. Um, I think we did 90 in the Richmond just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and we'll have all the homeowners out, um, you know, meet in the morning, have coffee and pastries, and then people plant for about three hours with all of our experts uh, and then come back and have a potluck. So we're certainly. Ah. You know, we want to have community engagement be a big part of it as well.
0: Is it also just more efficient to have everything kind of happening at once instead of trying to do 10 one day and 10 another or something?
1: Oh, totally. I mean, economies of scale, all that stuff plays into it. And then it really makes it so we can leverage volunteers. Um, I mean, we have uh, tons of repeat volunteers because people just love there's something so tangibly exciting um, and fun about planting a tree and then coming back for 30 years and watching it grow every year um, that people want to come out so we get them all to come on on one day and that way you know we can really get a big bang for our buck and that's one reason why you know we subsidize 75% of the cost part of that is just the way that we operate and the other part is having volunteers um, do a lot of the work makes it really cheap
0: and so um, there's a lot of questions that you know I can think of coming out of this but um you are clearly an important organization to help further this process. Do you find that there are other similar um, urban forestry groups like FUF in other major cities that you either are connected with or just are aware of?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So there, um, in most major cities, there is some sort of version of, of Friends of the Urban Forest. A lot of us are part of the Alliance of Community Trees or Alliance for Community Trees, which is a nationwide kind of, you know, partner organization. They're kind of like an alliance, um, as it says. And, you know, we have conferences once a year and Uh share a lot of best practice and and information. The thing is there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we can do that are – Transferable, okay. uh, but at the same time, there's such different climates, um, both political and environmental, in right. each city that there's different policies that we're responding to, or different gaps we're trying to fill, or literally different, you know, um, kinds of trees that can be planted. You yep. know, we can plant year round. Some places can only plant, you know, in the late fall. Um, other mm-hmm. people, you know, have to think think through a lot of different stuff um, so yeah we, we collaborate but there's definitely a need for there to be separate organizations to respond specifically to the needs of a city
0: right and so you mentioned that as one sort of unifying alliance are there other um, sort of nationwide groups or if if someone like a listener in Minnesota or in Florida or in New York like wanted to like learn more about a uh, local tree advocacy or some kind of urban forestry group in their area. Is there sort of a place that folks can go to?
1: Yeah. um, The Alliance for Community Trees, I think, is the place the best to go. Place they're the kind time. of, like, holder of all the data. And they're out in D.C., but they, um, you know, they give out grants, and they also just help promote all the organizations around, around the U.S. So, Great. you know, like, for example, Oakland, um, Urban Relief, uh, yep. spelled like a tree leaf, um, is is a great one or our city forest down in san jose um you know canopy down on the peninsula there, there's a ton of tree people in la mm-hmm. um friends of trees in portland i mean there's there's really cool groups doing good work all over
0: awesome, awesome. uh and That's so you would mentioned the other element of sort of sidewalk plantings that are maybe a smaller scale and uh not quite the size of trees and i just wanted to kind of ask a in the context of California's troubling drought, you know, which is going on four years and one of the worst historic droughts we've seen. um, You know, A, is there sort of criticism about planting anything? Um, B, are there sort of decisions that have to be made about starting trees, which I believe require, you know, sort of an upfront investment of, a sizable amount of water in their first few years to get them going and then they'll need less sort of irrigation or, or water the older they are when they're established and then the the sort of final point is you know what have there been kind of decisions that had to have to be made or you know ha, has Friends of the Urban Forest changed its approach with this drought and, and also how it sort of um, explains what it's doing to a public who might have concerns about water use?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. We totally get it all the time. Um, I mean, honestly, the the trees, like you said, they do um, take water during the establishment period, so the first couple years they need to be watered. Um, they do, over the long run, and even over the short term, provide you know a positive water balance. So um, San Francisco has a really temperate climate Mm -hmm. so you know here it's more that you know every time it rains even though it's few and far between we're holding more rain in our system so it's either going into the aquifer which we're now pumping um and adding to drinking water here in san francisco or it's being you know held in trees or other um Plant materials instead of being treated by the sewer system, which uses energy, um, right. you know, and affects uh, climate change. In other cities, it's even more drastic. I mean, if you think Sacramento, for example, they have a massive, wonderful, beautiful urban forest there because they've yeah. you know put a lot of effort into it, and it's really hot. Um, you know, the trees shading the streets and then shading uh, homes and businesses. Uh, calms what they call the heat island effect which is basically exactly what it sounds like right i mean if you're getting baked in the sun all day you're having to ramp up your ac costs um a ton to make sure that you're keeping your living spaces cool which wastes a lot of energy and you know is uh net negative as far as drought and um climate change is right. concerned so yeah i mean it's an interesting thing i mean so our trees in san francisco they need to be watered 10 to 15 gallons a week for the first two years um which is about a shower or less a week mm-hmm. so um we always tell people if they're really you know super worried about that uh there's lots of ways that you can you know while the shower water heating up fill up a bucket take it out and water the tree or cut back somewhere else um, but really, even if you don't cut back, it's, it's doing a net positive for our system.
0: Right. And so along those lines, have you found as an organization any changes since like five or 10 years ago to what's being planted? Um, I noticed that some of the sidewalk gardens you had brought up uh, seem to be uh, planted with sort of drought tolerance in mind, like so-called zeroescaping techniques with plants that are, uh, Mediterranean climate friendly that tend to, you know, thrive in arid low rainfall areas. Um, is that a shift that's, that's been happening to sort of, um, try these sidewalk plantings that have, you know, uh, plantings that will require less water?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially those, those, uh, sidewalk landscapes, definitely all drought tolerant, um, mostly native species as well, uh, mm. meaning that they're they're ready and hardy to go for the kind of climate we have. Um, so that's certainly the case. Um, and then trees as well. I mean, we've always planted drought-tolerant trees. Mm. Um, and like you said, Mediterranean climates. So that means we can go all around the world and find these sort of hardy trees that have the right form that'll get up and out of the public right-of-way, meaning they're up right. and out of the way of Cars and up in the way out of uh, pedestrians, but that also will survive uh, with little water. So certainly, that's big been a big focus and it's been refined over time. And even this year, there are some drought tolerant trees. Um, sadly, like your beautiful magnolia in front of your house, it is drought tolerant, but it does need a fair amount of water at the beginning. So we have scaled mm-hmm. some of those back. Interesting. And said, hey, and this is drought tolerant and it's pretty good. But we could do a little bit better for this next couple of years uh-huh. until we see if this trend turns around. Um so it's you know, it's certainly top of mind.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that was what I was uh, unsure about, but it's great to hear that there's been adjustments made as well. Um and you had brought up the fact that, you know, you work with neighbors, everyone's getting involved, they can check in on these trees. If someone wants to, you know, help out an, an early tree, they can literally collect their shower water, which actually do in my own bath and yard um how what is the sort of share of responsibility once a tree is planted between the city um public agencies your own organization and the homeowner or property owner um who is right in front of where the tree is planted like how is once it's established what's the the maintenance kind of breakdown
1: Sure, so it's kind of a oddly complicated thing in San Francisco particularly. Um, but a few years ago, the uh, split of ownership, if you will, for street trees, so the trees that are in the sidewalk, um, about 40% of them were taken care of by the Department of Public Works, the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are trees that they had planted, so they watered them, maintained them, um, fixed the sidewalk if they broke up the sidewalk the other 60% were taken care of by the homeowners. So Mm -hmm. that includes trees that homeowners had planted and then trees that Friends of the Urban Forest has planted. So we plant trees for people and -hmm. we'll come back and do tree care for three to five years afterwards just to help out, but it's never our tree. Right. Um, And so the shift that's uh, been happening that uh, we actually are, are pretty against in the last few years Um, the city has ran out of money as far as uh, allocating budget dollars towards trees and so the city has started basically giving back trees is what they say it's called officially the tree transfer plan Um, and basically they planted trees and then it's in front of somebody's house they ran out of money to care for it so they slapped a sign in front of the tree and you kind of wake up in the morning and you see hey congratulations this 40 foot tree is now your responsibility please take care of it uh if it falls over and smashes a car that's your fault if you improperly wow. properly prune it we will fine you if it breaks up the sidewalk uh, you have to fix it if it breaks uh-huh. up the sidewalk and someone trips and falls they can sue you and these uh- are all
0: trees that that were not planted by those people but uh, were originally planted and originally cared for um by a public agency and has and they have now just sort of relinquished responsibility. That's
1: exactly right, It's uh, uh, relinquish is the perfect word for it and um, I mean the basic reason for it too is that planting trees is fairly inexpensive mm-hmm. compared to maintenance 50 years down the line, so a lot of politicians or government agencies were like, hey it's really sexy and cool, let's plant trees and we'll take photos and it'd be really great. Yeah. Um, but then they didn't set aside uh, money for long-term maintenance. Um, yep. And so the city, you know, just ran out of money and didn't make it a priority. Uh, and to be fair, the arborists that work for Department of Public Works, they don't like this. This is their least, you know, this is their worst nightmare. Um, they would prefer to have the city remain in control of these trees because they can do a better job of it. Yep. Um, but they they can't, so they're they are giving them back. And, and the sad thing is... Uh, that it sort of turns people against trees in a certain right. way, right? I mean, if all of a sudden you get this uh, tree transferred to you that you don't know anything about, you didn't ask for, and you may like it, but now you see it as uh, a liability instead of uh, an asset or instead of something that's really beautiful because you think, oh my gosh, you know, I got to make sure I take care of this right. And, um, you know, people aren't really necessarily always prepared for that. So we right. think it's a shame.
0: Yeah, it'd be like if. A dog breeder or someone like down the block who let you play with and pet their dog and you're like oh that's a cool dog um, and, and like you, you're like yeah I like dogs it's neat to, to sort of like see them running around and then the dog breeder's like hey you know those dogs I was breeding uh, you now you have to adopt it <laughs> everyone who's ever like seen one of my dogs they're now your responsibility I'm gonna just uh, peace out and not bother you know taking care of it anymore.
1: Yeah, I know oh, by the way it hasn't had its shots yet. So that, that <laughs> right
0: and it could be yeah, on its way out and have a lot more expenses tied to. Yep. it. That's a good analogy. Um but
1: that was perfect. And now I don't ever <laughs> want to pet your dog if you have one. I've no idea. Exactly.
0: You're like, "Man, I I like dogs, but not <laughs> that I have to care for a, a sickly one." Um <laughs> not, not to turn off dog owners. <laughs> I I <laughs> Have a dog anyways um, well I think that's, that's a great sort of overview and um, I, I really appreciate the time I'm, I'm wondering you know you, you've mentioned this sort of kind of crossroads and recent change just if you want to maybe give your um, take on what Friends of the Urban Forest's vision is for street trees in San Francisco and, and what the ideal would be that would, that would sort of be really helpful kind of to close out
1: Sure, of course. Uh, so, first of all, I didn't I didn't finish talking about the sidewalk garden, ah. so I'll just give it one quick plug. We want to see the sidewalk garden project really take off. Um, right now, we'll do the sidewalk gardens instead of a whole neighborhood like the tree plantings. We do on one block, and we target those areas to where there are flooding issues. So, Ooh. Um, as a way to really help offload the sewer system. So, oh, this place has been flooding a lot. Great, let's go engage with the neighbors and do a bunch of beautiful sidewalk gardens. They're also going to lessen the load on the sewers. So vision one would be to see those all over the place, um, providing habitat and you know quelling the, the stormwater runoff issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one would be um, San Francisco's urban forest is actually declining every year. Um, we plant around 3000 trees, street trees every year and about 4000 die. So we're kind of at a net thousand tree loss right now. Um, and a lot of that is due to the aforementioned city policy where they're, um, not planting trees and they're getting rid of trees that they used to have, which decreases their longevity. Um, so we want to flip that trend. We'd love to see uh, the city take over all care, maintenance, and liability responsibility for street trees in San Francisco, kind of like a single-payer health care for trees, uh-huh. I suppose.
0: Another real uh-huh. analogy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then baked into a plan that we've come up with, with the planning department and the Department of Public Works, would be to not only take care of all those trees, um, but to add an additional 50,000 trees. Um, so we're actually growing... Urban forests in San Francisco instead sort of uh, kind of watching it dwindle down over time.
0: Awesome. And especially because, as you mentioned, a planning department that might have its eye on, you know, uh, issues of climate change and a health department that may think be thinking of air quality and, um, you know, uh, pollutants in the air and carbon sequestration, all of these ideas, you know, have these. Uh, tangible tangible benefits that you've described right and even though there is sort of a budgetary cost for caring for these trees, if it could be you know pitched as hey these are actually investments that are um, growing literally and figuratively uh, as as dollar um, investments for for the future, I think it's a a, a good case that can be made so I wish you all the best. I have signed the petition um, for Friends of the Urban Forest and we certainly encourage others to check out your organization, Friends of the Urban Forest, at fuf.net. Is that right? That is right. And
1: if you want to see that really cool uh, plan that I was talking about, if you go to um, the planning department, San Francisco Planning, uh, it's called the Urban Forest Plan. um, And that's a great document. It's actually really... Easy, easy to read and has great graphics so uh totally check that out too
0: awesome um well I I just have a final closing question for Phil Pierce the policy and outreach director of Friends of the Urban Forest do you have a favorite tree
1: oh wow I probably should have expected that to yeah be- <laughs> um I would I really like the magnolia that you mentioned um but I gotta say I really love Ginkgo trees um, oh. they're so cool they grow really slowly um, but they're so beautiful and every single one is is really unique so I love seeing them especially massive ones around and knowing that they're forty fifty years old in San Francisco
0: awesome uh, well, Phil, thanks so much for your time um, I don't know if you want to give your any Personal or professional plugs, uh, if people want to follow what you're up to, but um, the work you're doing with with Fluff is awesome, and uh, definitely encourage you to keep up all that good work. I love hearing about what your organization's doing.
1: Awesome, yeah! Thanks so much for having me. Totally uh, check us out on on Facebook, and uh, we're on Twitter as well. Twitter at SF Urban Forester and Facebook. Uh, friends of the urban
0: forest cool well thanks so much phil and i'll be in touch with you soon
1: awesome thanks a bunch keith